1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Annie Corrigan from Earth Eats. And it's very appropriate to have Annie here today because today's show uh, we're calling Cook with, Cook Your Garden.
2: Pretty excited about it. Glad to be here, Bob.
1: Yeah, well, glad to have you. And we have three great guests with us today. Marsha Veldman is here from the Bloomington Farmers Market, Stephanie Solomon from Mother Hubbard's Cupboard, and Lori Heber from Terra Foods. If you want to join us on the program, please call us at 855 0811 or 877 285 9348. You can also join a live chat at slash noonedition. You can uh, also follow us on Twitter at noonedition and at Earth Eats, I think. Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. <laughs> at Earth Eats on Twitter. You know, Bob, you get three or four foodies in the room together, the conversation very quickly goes straight <laughs> to food. Wouldn't you, ladies, agree? I mean, we, we sat down, we started sort talking today. about Freezing foods, fermenting foods, how we cook certain foods. It's been great so far.
1: Well, and nobody's even heard it except me. (laughs) But I guarantee you it's going to be a great show. It's actually a great follow-up to uh, the shows we do on gardening. when We have Helen May come in and Don Adamson, and there are always tons and tons of questions about how to make your garden grow. And now we're going to say what to do with it. So uh, we're very excited about that. So, Marsha, what's the year been like for uh, growers
3: it's been a really good growing season. Yeah, it, um, it's been remarkable. Mm-hmm. And when you compare it to last year, the contrast is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, fruit trees are packed. Um, the only thing right now is the cool temperatures are kind of holding back the ripening of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, they just like a little more heat to, uh, to get that good summer ripeness.
1: Yeah, well, Indiana tomatoes, are, you just can't beat them. Sweet corn and tomatoes. But, I mean, you can just stop right there as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but we're glad that you don't. Or anybody <laughs> so, what what are the uh, what are the the big hits, Stephanie? What, what what do you look forward to this time of year?
4: Oh, personally, yeah. um, I'm a big fan, of course, of the tomato. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love canning tomatoes, and having canned tomatoes around for the season, I feel like, improves my food options immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love green beans, mm-hmm. um, and I've been excited about, at the farmer's market, finding multicolored green beans um, and I, just all how you can pickle them and just steam them with garlic and lemon juice. Um, they're one of my seasonal favorites.
1: Mm-hmm. That was uh, on the menu at our house a couple days ago. They were great. And uh, so, also uh, we have Lori Heber from Terre Haute here with us, Terra Foods. So, what, are there any differences in growing from Terre Haute to Bloomington? We're not that far away.
5: Well, gee, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm, I'm aware of. I think that uh, you might be just uh, maybe a, a degree warmer here than than we are as we as we go a little further a little further north. But I think the. I think the growing conditions are very much the same. I've been up to my elbows literally this week in tomatoes and tomato juice, and and have been making a lot of marinara. Uh, that's my favorite thing to make and with tomatoes. Uh, tied me through the winter and have have a great have a great go to thing in the in the pantry, and then uh, lots of zucchini. Um, we've been uh, we've been blessed with uh, amazing zucchini. So it's it's funny about zucchini um, when when you're overrun with it, you're overrun with it, and you're trying to find ways to, to deal with it and to give it away and to and to, and to to preserve it. Uh, but then when it's gone, you immediately want some more. So <laughs> it's a challenge. I've been uh, freezing, blanching and freezing um, zucchini in uh, all different forms and manners so that it's ready to go for soups and stews come winter. And uh, that's well, we my hope, favorite thing uh, We
1: hope do. Sarah Whitmire's taking
2: notes. <laughs> that's right. I guess legend has it that the, the reason this show is even happening is because our news director, Sarah Whitmire, has more zucchini coming out of her garden. And they huge apparently just gigantic (laughs) this big just like they do when you catch a fish they're huge and she doesn't know what to do with them so let's talk a little bit about zucchini specifically i've got a chocolate zucchini cake recipe here that i know i swear by i'm making this Mm -hmm. all the time because i have so many zucchinis freezing zucchinis you can also pickle them if you don't have cucumbers you can pickle zucchinis Mm -hmm. other suggestions you guys have
4: Well, what's big in the food pantry right now, um, our nutrition educator, Kate Young, um, really loves zucchini fritters. Um, So on the days that we've gotten a lot of zucchini and summer squash coming through um, Mother Hubbard's Cupboard, the food pantry, um, we've been making fritters in our new kitchen. Um, We have a kitchen at our new facility. um, And then having folks taste them in the pantry. And I personally love it because it makes the whole building smell fantastic um and it's pretty simple she does a simple pan fry um and yeah they're they're great and tasty
1: so what else would she put in it do you know
4: yeah i think she does an egg and flour batter um and a few spices there would be an opportunity to use whatever herbs that you have um in your in your uh, garden growing Mm -hmm. right now um but, yeah, it's one of the things I like about it, and we try to do this at Mother Hubbard's, is the simplicity of it. We try to do recipes that require few ingredients. Um, so if folks don't have many ingredients at home um, besides what they're getting from the pantry, it's still possible to go home and try that recipe.
1: Well, before we uh, get too far along, I want to uh, tell our listeners again, we hope that you'll call us with your recipes, your ideas for how to um, how to cook your garden. And also we have uh, three uh, experts, I'll call you experts in here with us today, <laughs> who uh, for Annie, uh who may help you if you have a, a question about uh, anything that you're growing and how how you might want to sort of spice it up a little bit. We had uh, on this radio station yesterday on Fresh Air, there was a discussion about a lot of some similar kinds of things. And we were talking before the program about, you know, I, I've n- I personally have never heard uh, a good tofu recipe. I'm sorry to tell you, but <laughs> but I know that you've all heard a lot of them. But uh, the idea of cooking a firm tofu on a grill with um, soy and spi- a variety of different uh, herbs on it actually sounded really good to me. So mm-hmm. when
2: I'm, I'm looking at this website post right now. The beautiful thing about, you know, having something in your fridge and not knowing what to do with it. Google it. The the Internet is an amazing place. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking on the website, grilled peaches, grilled tofu. I know this season I've grilled Swiss chard leaves just with olive oil and salt and pepper. What are some other weird, interesting, unusual things we could plop on the grill?
3: I don't know that this is too unusual, but I absolutely love grilled onions. They just taste fantastic on the grill, especially a sweet onion on Mm -hmm. the grill, just as... Yummy as can be.
2: Well, we do. On, there's an Earth Eats recipe with Chef Daniel Orr. Wrapped it in foil and stuck it right in the coals. If you're someone who builds a fire and, and cooks over an open fire, so that's an option, too. You just let it sit, and it becomes so sweet. Is, is anybody else cooking over a grill or an open fire this summer?
5: Yeah, one of the things that I really like to do, and this is great kind of a kitchen sink or or actually anything out of the fridge kind of recipe, is I'll have, you know, I'll have a little bit of of green pepper here and a little bit of onion here and a little bit of eggplant and a little bit of of zucchini, maybe some mushrooms, and I'll cut them up into bite sized pieces, put them in a bowl with some olive oil, salt and pepper, a little um, lemon zest, Mm -hmm. and um, some fresh oregano, and then put them into a grill pan. Um, and sauté them up um, almost like you would in a wok. And the nice thing about that mixture is that you can either serve it alongside a pasta or a rice dish, but then it also, whatever leftovers you might have the next day, go on a pizza really well, and, and they just serve in a wide variety of things. So you can get one cooking on the grill with a, with a wide variety of things that have come out of your refrigerator and then extend them through the week and use them in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm.
1: That, that is mm-hmm. one way you can use zucchini, too. Yeah. Just put a little olive oil uh, on either side of it, put it on the grill for a little bit, cook it up. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. You can...
2: And, you know, this is basically what the show is going to be about, is just geeking out about food and recipes. Mary
1: Catherine will be really sorry she missed
2: it. Well, hopefully, maybe she'll call in. Maybe. I mean, yeah. We want to hear from you. That's the thing, is we need to hear from the folks out there. If you've got a great recipe that you want to share with people, give us a call. 812-855-0811 We'll put you on the show and get talking about some food. So we're uh, we're putting stuff on top of the grill, maybe inside the grill. Let's talk a little bit about freezing. Marsha, you and I were talking about this before the show started. Can you freeze anything?
3: You can freeze a lot, that's for sure. Yeah, I I have a chest freezer and I find it's just the easiest way to, uh, to, to put up produce. Um, I used to always blanch tomatoes and skin them before sticking them in the freezer. And now I just wash and core them and leave the skin on. I do have a vacuum packer, which really helps to um, hold the moisture in and prevent some freezer burn. But, um, yeah, I'll put up 50 gallons of tomatoes in the freezer and freeze lots of fruits, berries, um, I make pesto and freeze it, so I'll have you know enough to last me through the winter. Mm. I usually leave the cheese out and add that later. It just mm-hmm. seems to taste better later on. Trying to think, what else? Uh, and uh, I know someone was asking about what to do with basil, and I, I freeze basil too in ice cube trays. So it'll just be—I um, put the basil in a food processor with some water. And then put them in. I put it in ice cube trays. Add a little more water so it's topped off. And then you have cubes that you can pop into soups and um, sauces and that sort of thing. And it's a real nice, easy way to uh, to hang on to the basil, that summer flavor in the wintertime. That's brilliant!
2: Wow, I love that idea. You know, I, I pulled up a, a website article too on smartlivingnetwork.com, dot And it shows, you know, you've got a bunch of basil. Sure, we all know that we can make pesto, but you can also do strawberry basil salad with some feta cheese. Mm -hmm. You've got mint. You can do it maybe as a topping for a cake. But then you can also make a mint gazpacho with cucumber. So, you know, uh, maybe people can reimagine these old-fashioned recipes. Gazpacho doesn't have to be red with tomatoes.
3: You could use it with cucumber and mint. Get creative. Peaches. Peaches? Yeah, peach tomato. Gaspacho is really oh, nice. Great. I tried a
5: lemonade recipe the other day, um, which was muddled blueberries and basil. Um, that was strained then and, and mixed with a little bit of sugar and and a little bit of lemon juice. It was delicious.
1: Okay, there may not be uh, a total audience of foodies out there. Uh, muddled,
5: um, basically, you take a, a mortar mortar and pestle, mm-hmm. and um, you put your blueberries and your and your basil in the in the. Um, Mortar and you and you just um, uh, scrunch it up and and smash it down and and muddle it all together. Mm. Muddle sounds just pretty much like it is. You just muddle it around, mm-hmm. and then uh, you pass it through a sieve um, so that you're you're you have all the solids that remain. You don't want the solids in your lemonade. Right. So um, then mix it with uh, the wa- a little bit of water, a little a little bit of lemon juice, and a little sugar. And mm-hmm. it really was good, very mm-hmm. refreshing.
1: All right. We're talking about the uh, the end product from the gardening show earlier this summer. So uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, Annie gave the local number, 855 If you're from Terre Haute or any place outside of Bloomington, you can call toll-free, 877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can put your recipe up there or ask any questions that you want to ask or give us any tips that you want to give us. Stephanie, I want to ask you, uh, you know, you mentioned tomatoes. Uh, you know, when I go to the market, Marsha, um, I'm always sort of astounded by the variety of tomatoes that are there. I mean, you get beautiful red tomatoes, yellow tomatoes, purple tomatoes, green tomatoes. I mean, you get all sorts of varieties. Can you talk a little bit, Stephanie, about the different varieties and what you might use some for versus, some, you know, some other usage?
4: Oh, sure. Well, my favorite tomato Mm -hmm. variety is green zebras. Um, There's just something about, like, the sweetness and the... The acid level that is perfect for me. Um, But I have to say, my my favorite thing about growing a diversity of tomatoes is that if you make a salsa or you can even just whole tomatoes, and you have a lot of different varieties, there's just something about that flavor that you can't find in a grocery store canned tomato. Um, So I'm also a big fan of the brandy wine. Um, I just... Incredible flavor. I mean, I grew up as a kid in the suburbs of Cleveland, not liking tomatoes and thinking that they were gross. And then when I came here to Bloomington and started growing food and started trying all these cherry tomatoes and grape tomatoes and heirloom tomatoes, I was amazed by um, the the flavors that were that were there for us to experience. Mm-hmm. Please go right ahead. Um, Anyone interested in trying
3: out a lot of different varieties of tomatoes, tomorrow is the heirloom tomato tasting at the Farmer's Market. It'll start Mm -hmm. from 9 to 1130, and we'll have close to 30 varieties of tomatoes chopped up and ready for the tasting. And if anyone likes to chop tomatoes, (laughs) please get in touch. We could use a few more people.
1: Can you define heirloom tomato?
3: You know, there is there's some question. Generally, it's considered seeds that have been passed on from generation to generation. But Stephanie mentioned the green zebra, and it's actually a more recent – they call it a modern heirloom um, because it's been more recently developed. But, yeah, traditionally it's the passing on of the seeds and the ability of the plant um, – when you use the seed to be true from year to year.
2: If people are thinking, you know, gosh, I didn't plant any of these in my garden this year, but next spring, I got to get on that. At what time are we planting tomatoes?
4: I can answer that um, uh, right around Mother's Day. And surprisingly, this year, it was kind of chilly. Um, uh, and the thing that gets confusing is that the tomatoes start being sold sometimes early in April. And then people think, oh, this beautiful tomato, I'll put it in the ground. Um, but really, tomatoes like a warm soil. Um, and so I use I use Mother's Day as a rule of thumb and think of that as kind of the ideal weekend to plant my tomatoes.
6: Yeah, the
5: average last frost um, in this part of the world is May 15th, which generally mm-hmm. coincides, coincides nicely with Mother's Day. Um, but they, you're right. They do not like to be cold. They like mm-hmm. warm soil. Um, same with peppers. Same with eggplants. They're definitely warm season plants that, that want it warm. And you can start them as seed um, early on, February, uh, uh, March or so. Um, that's, and that's one of the reasons that you get those beautiful plants that, that I, I've seen them in bloom and bearing fruit in the greenhouse in April. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to resist the temptation to put them in the ground.
1: All right, we're getting a lot of phone calls now. People are getting hungry out there, I guess. Um, we're going to go to Kathy first. Kathy? Hi. Hi, go Hi. ahead.
7: I had a comment about basil. I made a wonderful white peach sangria that came from Epicurus. So you could Google that on Epicurious, And it had basil in with the uh, simple syrup. It was wonderful. It would be so great to do with um Iced tea as well. So just wanted to throw that out as uh, basil and basil and wine together.
1: Sounds pretty good. A little early in the day, maybe, but sounds good. Sounds great. Have a great day. All right. Thanks a lot, Bye. Kathy.
2: Thanks, Kathy. Yeah, I'm Thanks. looking this up on the Epicurious website right now. It's going to take me a minute to okay, find it. Okay, but... so
1: we'll go to another phone call. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, let's go to Kat, uh, Janice next. Janice.
6: Hey. Hi. Hey, Marcia and Stephanie <gasps> and Annie. <laughs> Hi, Hi. Janice. Hey, Janice. So I am uh, in my kitchen putting tomatoes through a food meal, and I wanted to say several things. One is... Um, that if people don't have a lot of their own tomatoes that they want to can and stuff one of the farmers that i buy from regularly at the market just said to me the other day i got a lot of extra tomatoes would you be interested in having them at a deep discount so i'd say check with your farmers because he said i've got so many ripening right now i can't handle them all Um, another thing i wanted to comment on is one of our favorite summer recipes which is a panzanella and the recipe we got is from Muddy Fork Farms and a panzanella is a bread salad. So it's basically what proportion you like of uh, sweet onion, tomatoes, cucumbers, black olives, uh, basil, oil, and vinegar, and then toasted chunked bread. Um, We really like uh, a hearty bread, whole wheat kind in ours. And we also add avocado to ours because it's so nutritious. The last thing I wanted to suggest is another one with basil. And my son, Andrew Bazzelli came up with this. And that is a strawberry ice cream when you take the milk and infuse it with basil and mint before you put in your strawberries and make ice cream. Mm, that and sounds good. Whoa. It's really good because you don't really taste the mint and the basil, but it kind of makes the strawberry flavor more complex and deeper. So it's a really good All That's
1: right. It. But- Great ideas. Anybody want to comment on any of them? Sounds delicious. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I also want to know who the farmer is so I can get extra tomatoes too. Yeah, right? It's
6: John Nevada? <laughs> hmm.
1: All right. So,
4: There'll be. Somebody
6: wants to John. I don't know if, how much he's got now, but he was great. So. There are quite
3: a few farmers who will have big boxes of tomatoes and sell them at pretty good discounts. You know, the canning tomatoes. So it's a really good way to um, to save some money.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Janice, thanks a lot for the call.
6: Thank you, guys. join the show.
1: We really appreciate it. Okay, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, 877-285-9348, outside of Bloomington, also WFIU.org slash Noon Edition.
2: We're talking a lot about recipes and how to use foods that we're getting from our garden. We're sort of ignoring the fact that this takes uh, confidence in the kitchen, the ability to cook and feel as though I – I have confidence that I can turn the zucchini into something that my family's going to enjoy. If people want to learn the basics of cooking, some basic recipes, what are the resources we have in this area? Maybe Stephanie, we can start with you.
4: Yeah. Well, I was excited um, when we started talking about freezing. Um, we love food preservation over at Mother Hubbard's cupboard, especially since a lot of our donations come through the row for the Hungry program. So we might end up with bushels of tomatoes that need to be used right away. Um, and so we do a lot of nutrition um, and gardening classes, um, just to give folks the tools they need um, to use the food that comes through and to grow their own food. So one that we have have coming up is dehydration and freezing. And that's actually next Thursday from 530 to 630 at our um, facility at 1100 West Allen Street. Um, and we do um, prioritize our food pantry patrons and volunteers, but we also generally have some space for community members. Um, and so we do a lot of classes just focusing on um, whatever kind of basic cooking and food preservation skills people are most interested in.
2: And, you know, sometimes I just talk to the farmers at the farmer's market when I'm picking up some food. And, Marcia, you're nodding your head. They give me some of the best
3: suggestions for what to do with their food. That's one of my favorite things being at market is having conversations about recipes. I'll, uh, You know, someone will be picking something up. I'm like, what do you do with that? And then the recipes flow. And so it's a, it is a great way. The farmers and other customers are great resources. We, um, we also we do some um, cooking demonstrations at the market. Um, we have coming up, Stephanie is mm-hmm. going to be at market with, mm-hmm. um, with a friend doing a lacto-fermentation demonstration in the end of August. Um, and, you know, I guess I was thinking, you know, there is, like with canning, I think people are pretty intimidated by canning. But um, if you're using high-acid food, it um, The risk is pretty low, and we do have these little pamphlets available at the market the three step guide to canning so that 's a resource that 's easily available.
5: You know another recommendation for those who who may not have a lot of confidence in the kitchen is youtube there, you know you can You can um, google youtube or 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 search YouTube for all kinds of Of methods to prepare food. And and you'll come up with thousands of of short videos that show you how to to prepare things. It's a wonderful tool.
4: Well, I learned to can from Sue Berg, who was with the Purdue Cooperative Extension Office for a very long time. And before she retired, we made a video together um, so that I would never forget everything that I learned from her. And it is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, And so look for um, Sue Berg uh, canning tomatoes. I'm looking uh, it up right now. Excellent, All right. Here we go.
1: We're talking about uh, foods cooking from your garden. I have to say that uh, you know I'm going to try a lot of new things, but there's nothing better in my mind than just getting a good Hoosier tomato, a good ear of sweet corn. You can boil water. You can make the sweet corn. You can slice the tomato. Maybe add a little cottage cheese, some pepper. You can have a great meal just like that. And, you know, you can't do that out of the grocery store necessarily. But with all the fresh stuff in the, this time of year, you can do it. So, all right, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll come back with a lot of uh, better advice than that from, from our panel, of guests. <laughs> You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about uh, what you can do with all that great food coming out of your garden. We'll be right back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: well, we're back we on the air. Here. Welcome back to <laughs> Noon Edition. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a professional, too. Welcome back to <laughs> Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with... Co-host Annie Corrigan from Earth Eats. Today we're talking about uh, eating out of your garden, eating fresh foods. We have three great guests with us in the studio. Marsha Veldman from Bloomington Farmers Market, Stephanie Solomon from Mother Hubbard's Cupboard, and Lori Heber from Terra Foods. If you want to join the program, call us with your recipes, your questions, your ideas. Call us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition.
2: We were talking about canning. I want to keep talking about canning. I think we need to encourage people to try it because, you know, people have been canning for generations, generations and generations. You need to be careful and you need to clean your stuff and be sure that you're doing it right. But... You can get so much out of it. So, Marcia, you were talking about if you're canning high acidic foods, there's very little risk. Tomatoes, obviously. What are some examples of
3: surefire bets for canning foods? Tomatoes are a real good one. Um, Jams and jellies are easy to can. And um, most fruits are pretty high acidic. Um, Your berries are and uh, peaches Peaches are a good one, even not as a jam. Just canning peaches, they taste wonderful Can They're good frozen as well. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) frozen. And then there are um, things where you add vinegar, where you're pickling. I like doing pickled jalapenos. I just really like those a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, once you're adding that vinegar, it will bring up the acidity so that it— Creates a pretty inhospitable environment to any bacterial growth if we can
2: just do like a quick how to what are the the basic steps of
4: canning? Can anybody talk to that i I can do that um so I I love to can. It's a great community thing. Um, I, these steps may sound intensive, but they're lots of fun. Um, so you want to start by sterilizing, um, which means you boil your jars or boil the instruments you're using. You can also, Sue always said, run them through the dishwasher. Um, and then I'll just say with tomatoes and peaches, which I think I'm a, I'm a lazy cook. I'll be honest. So um, how I like to do it is I'll... Um, I don't remember what it's called, but you lightly boil the tomatoes and the peaches to the point where the skin is almost falling off. Um, and then you dunk them in cold water and then you can take the skin off if you want or not. And then once you have your, um, your jars uh, ready and clean, sterilized, um, you push your peaches or your tomatoes into the jar, leave a little bit of head space to... Um, Use a plastic knife to make sure there's no air pockets. Um, Wipe the lid um, to make sure there's no debris for when you can. Make sure you use a new um, uh, lid uh, and then have uh, your... What are those called, the little jar things (laughs) but anyways so and then you put them in um, to your canner and the cool thing about hot water baths is that you don't even need an actual canner if you have a stock pot and then you put an upside down plate in the bottom to make sure that the jars don't touch the bottom um, then you're set to go and then you put the tops on and then um, you boil them do you know the time off the top of your head? It
3: depends on the recipe and that is one thing is following a, a recipe is a really good idea because I, I, I love canning salsa and I love garlic and onions but if you get really carried away with garlic and onions you can then throw off the pH so mm-hmm. yeah
4: that's so what can, we tell people is you the one way to be sure not to be nervous about canning um, is to keep a clean kitchen sterilize the materials beforehand and use a recipe if you're doing all of those things you have very little reason to worry
2: I have a question because I canned a couple of weeks ago, so I'm, I'm going to add a question. It was just green beans. I had a CSA, more green beans that I could eat in a stir-fry, and so I canned them. They've been sitting on my shelf for about a week and a half, and I'm just staring at them, and I want to try them. But I don't, I don't know when. You know, Stephanie, you're giving me a look. Mm-hmm. Did you
4: pressure can them? No. Because green beans are low acid, okay. so unless you put vinegar in... Um, you did put vinegar. I in. did, yeah. Okay, just checking. Yeah,
2: so I just I <laughs> want to know when I can start snacking on these things.
3: Whenever you like, time. Yeah. <laughs> While there's okay. fresh ones, you might want to hold off. Keep them for
9: winter. That's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All
1: right, we're going to go to the phones. Uh, Christine is on the line. Christine.
9: Uh, good afternoon. Um, I thoroughly enjoy cooking and eating Thai food and I've been growing my own Thai basil for a couple of years now and for the first time I tried lemongrass which is actually looking outstanding. However my question is how do I harvest the lemongrass?
2: Oh anybody?
5: Well, do you know? Well yes, I, I had a lemongrass plant. I, basically you just cut the stalk at the very base of the of the plant. Um, and then you'll uh, the the most tender part of the lemongrass is in, is actually the pith inside, and so you'll peel away the tough outer uh, outer edges of that. And it generally, um, generally for any recipe, you'll need a, a couple of inches, uh, and from the bottom, the closer to the bottom, the the thicker it gets.
9: So basically, just take a sharp knife and just kind of slice down below the like the bulb type at the bottom. I I've I've cut it just at the soil level. Ah, okay. Well, thank you very much and I'm enjoying the program.
1: All right. Thank well, you. what are you going to make with it?
9: Oh, I make uh soups. Basically, I use the um lemongrass in a soup. Mm. A shrimp yeah. soup with kefir lime leaves, galangal, lemongrass, uh shallot, green onion, Chili, Tidebird, Chili Peppers. It's we'll be over a little later. <laughs> right? I want you know what time. <laughs> All, right. All
0: right.
1: Thanks, Christine. Okay. All right. Again, our phone number is in Bloomington eight five five zero eight one one. Outside of Bloomington eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and wfiu dot org slash noon edition.
2: We were talking about tomato tasting happening at the farmers market tomorrow and several more weeks down the road in mid or late August, there's a salsa tasting event that's one of my favorite events. Marsha, can you talk a little bit about what happens? Sure.
3: We'll make sure you have the right date since you are one of our judges. Yeah, make sure I'm going to be there. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's on August 24th, and uh, this is something that we do with Blooming Foods, and it's the 25th anniversary of the salsa contest this year. But we have uh, three categories for salsas. It's raw tomato-based, cooked tomato-based, and specialty. So you get the, the peach salsas and the mango salsas and things like that. And um, that day, we'll have a panel of judges um, judging the, the various submissions that people in the community have turned in. And, um, and also, Everyone has the opportunity to taste them. And we uh, typically then the, the recipes for the top three in each category will be in the Blooming Foods newsletter and up on their website. But uh, it's really it's a fun chance to get to taste a lot of different styles of salsa. Now, you know,
1: how many different uh, salsas do you have entered?
3: We usually get somewhere around fifty salsas, so there's we'll do up to twenty in each category because we don't want to like twenty salsas for the judges. <laughs> that takes a, a, a fine palate. So, um, so yeah, we'll do up to twenty in each category. And then while um, the tastings going on and the judging is going on, we've got um, regs from Nick's English Hut. He uh, he always does a salsa-making demo, and he, he does a great job. He'll be just like, I just saw this in the market. I grabbed it. I'm adding it to the salsa. And he really uh, um, does an inspiring demonstration. And this year, I believe we're going to have the debut of a chili roaster. Blooming Foods bought a chili roaster that they're planning on having at market regularly, which is – I've seen them at markets in New Mexico and – it just smells so darn good, and going home with roasted chilies ready to to add to many good recipes is really fun. So,
2: Well, if you've got a, a salsa recipe out there that you want to share with us, call us, 812 855 You can recite it to us over the phone, or you could join the live chat on the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Okay, we're talking salsa. So I want you guys to think of what you like in a salsa. What are the the musts for a salsa that you enjoy? One quick comment about the the salsa contest before we get away from that. The thing that always strikes me is that the people who enter, just community members, just people like Bob, like you and me, who just think, I love this particular salsa recipe. I'm just going to make it and I'm going to enter and we'll see what happens. You know, these aren't chefs. These aren't people who have gone to school for cooking. So this is maybe a great opportunity for people who, Want to take their home cooking to the next level.
3: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really good for that. And, and it's just fun. You, you know, all the people who enter come out and um, and we have salsa dance demonstrations <laughs> just to mix it up. But yeah, it is a real good opportunity for someone who's just enjoyed making salsa to, you know get to put it out there and uh, see how it compares to others. Okay, so Lori, yeah,
2: what's your favorite salsa?
3: Well,
5: I think, you know, when it comes to salsa making, you really have to think along the, you know, heat, sweet, sour, and savory, you know, to really— you know if you have elements of each of those things it's hard to go wrong and then you think about texture you know you want something that's soft and then you want something that's crunchy and so you want to think about the texture of your salsa too but i'm i'm partial to uh you know a black bean mango salsa with some with some jalapeno and onions and garlic i mean that that really speaks to me a little squeeze of lemon or lime juice in that it's yeah it sounds really good it goes along really well with fish and shrimp and fish tacos and things like that. Mm.
4: Stephanie, what do you got? I have to say peach salsa is my favorite. Um, peaches and then those ripening heirloom tomatoes. Um, a lot of garlic. I'm a garlic fan. Um, and I've, I've grown into more of a tolerance for heat. So maybe some hot peppers in there, but I you know, I'm moderate mm-hmm. in those. But yeah, I, that peach and tomato, I just I love the sweetness. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: A little cilantro.
4: Yeah? Are you a cilantro
2: fan?
1: Little, yeah. You
2: no know, that's one of those herbs that it's, people I love it or they I hate it. Well,
1: I, I like a little. I don't want it oh, overpowering. Oh, so you're in the
4: middle. Yeah, I'm in the middle. Okay. I'm in the middle, too. Yeah. Really? really.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, I want to talk about sweet corn because it's you know a staple of Indiana, and I know there are various places at the farmer's market. There's always a long line uh, for corn, but what do, you, what do you guys recommend? What would you look for in an era of sweet corn if you're going to... Go somewhere to buy one. People are always peeling back the you know the outside. What do you look for?
3: Well you don't want the kernels to be too large. You want them just right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, check. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Just where they're not really bulging out. Um and you know, Fresh harvested makes a big difference. It's less so now that there are more hybrid varieties that hold the sweetness. It used to be like if you didn't, you know, get it in the pot in 15 minutes, it was, you know, heading downhill on sweetness. Yeah. But now, um, but still getting it really fresh makes a big difference.
1: Still recommend eating it the same day. Like be better to just have it the same day or maybe the, a couple of days.
2: Yeah,
3: it's yeah. good for a couple of days. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: And what time do we need to get to the market so we're not standing in line for thirty minutes to get corn? You have to get there right at the bell.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the line starts forming sometimes even before eight o'clock. But um, you know, and that's uh, the infamous sweet corn line is with the McCullough sweet corn, and they do grow some fantastic sweet corn. But there are other yeah, farmers in do. the market who grow some great sweet corns.
2: And you can freeze corn. Yes. Right. Can we talk about that process? Yes. It's um,
5: actually I did that this week. I was. Uh, it's prime time, by the way, for sweet corn. Um, it's it's coming in. Um, we've got a lot. I know in the Terre Haute market, um, and uh, you know, basically what I, what I do is is just shuck it, wash it, cut it off the cob, and and put it into bags. Now I use mine quickly. If if some would say to blanch it, if if you want to keep it longer than two months. Um, but I don't take that step with my sweet corn. I, I merely pack it into bags and and use it. Try to use it as quickly as I can.
1: Again, it's great stuff if you just eat it right off the cob. But yes. how about some recipes or other uses uh, that we might not think about?
4: Salsa. <laughs> yeah. I love putting corn into salsa.
3: I, I like a like a corn hash where you you know take yeah. it off the cob and then just. I use I use olive oil, but yeah, but onions and garlic and bell peppers. Red bells in particular are good in there. And just uh, yeah, fry it up, and it's just that's just a really tasty side dish. You can throw some black beans in there too. So it
2: seems like you're just sort of listing off ingredients off the top of your head when you're going to make this in your kitchen. Is it really just a feel for you? Are you following a letter by the letter a recipe?
3: I typically more, yeah, go by the feel, see what I have. You know, if I happen to have edamame, it's like, oh, that would be good in there too. And, um, yeah, and I tend to kind of go with like base recipes. Like, I like frittatas a lot. It's just a nice, easy thing, and you can kind of go, huh. I just found a ton of chanterelles. I think I'll, you know, sauté them up and put them in the frittata. And so, yeah, you know, or pizzas are good like that or just pastas where you're just really looking at what you have around and kind of mixing them together.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. If you're home uh, cooking up your lunch, you want to call us and tell us what you're having, <laughs> please give us a call. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. And you can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. A couple other uh, standards that we haven't mentioned much. We did talk a little bit about green beans earlier. Um, fruits, peaches, um, berries. What kind of berries are in, uh, in season right now? Are they all of them?
3: raspberries Raspberries. and blackberries yeah there might still be some blueberries at market but we're starting to tail off on on blueberry season but raspberries and blackberries are pretty plentiful right now okay yeah and then apples are coming on um yeah it's might still seem early for apples but some of the early season varieties like red free and pristine and lodi apples i think are pretty much all done by now oh
2: don't start talking about the fall just yet please (laughs) (laughs) not not yet well if you want fall crops now's the time to be thinking about it let's well let's talk about that if people want a fall garden do we need to get that stuff in the ground right now
4: depends what you're growing um but a lot of those long season crops um like if you want collard greens or kale um or broccoli, um, things like that, cabbage, um, you want to get them in the ground, which generally is really hard because this tends to be a dry, hot time. But this is, I think, going to be a great year for fall crops.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I looked at the 10-day forecast, and it's kind of like this with some rain here and there. I typically um, wait until the second week of August for planting things like lettuce and arugula and carrots and radishes and turnips and... Um, I went ahead and planted some of those things already. Just you know, the ground's moist, the temperatures are cool. Um yeah, so I thought I might as well go ahead and get an early start. But fall crops are nice. Sometimes you uh you can miss some of the pests that are more prevalent in the summer. You know, like uh the carrot rust fly. Um when I my spring carrots almost always have some of that. Fall carrots, I have hardly any. And you kind of leave them in the ground and they hang out. They don't keep growing and growing and get out of control. So fall fall's a really nice time to grow. But getting the seeds started sometimes can be a challenge. But this year should be a good one. All right. <laughs> so people can give it a shot this
2: year, perhaps for the
4: first time. Actually, we do a a partnership class with Parks and Recreation that is called Fall Gardening in September. So you can check out the program guide for that if you live in Bloomington. Do you have a website you can direct people to? Um, Our website, which it is listed on, is mhcfoodpantry.org. And then can you tell us the city website? Yeah,
3: it's bloomington.in.gov backslash parks.
2: And then in Terre Haute, what resources do you have for folks? The,
5: um, pr- the primary resource for um, good gardening information is the Purdue Cooperative Extension Service. I don't have that number, but you could Google that and find that re- um, pretty readily. They're very helpful. Um, Ivy Tech Community College has a great horticulture program. Um, they'd be happy to help you out as well. John Rosine and, and, the, and the group down there uh, would be happy to provide you with some good information
2: eight five five zero eight one one we've got oh i don't know bob about eight minutes left yeah. I mean, we can take a couple more colors in that time
1: we Be- can we could easily
2: yeah one thing I, I definitely want to make sure we talk about if you've got an overabundance coming from your garden and you've eaten it all and you've canned it all and you still have leftover stuff You can donate that to a variety of organizations in the community. I talked to Vicki Pierce over at the Community Kitchen of Monroe County. You can literally walk in with stuff from your garden, and she will accept it with open arms. Anything you've got from your garden can go there. What are some other places that accept donated food?
4: Same goes for Mother Hubbard's <laughs> Cupboard. We will be so thrilled. Um, we have a lot of folks coming through our food pantry, and folks are really excited about fresh produce. Um, so we're open these days on Mondays noon to 7 and then Tuesday through Friday noon to 6. Um, and you can just come on by anywhere in there. Um, bring us the produce, and we will be so excited.
1: All right. We have a, had a call from Dave who just left us some notes of what he wanted to ask about. Uh, so he says, no one has brought up Ball's blue book about canning. You may want to.
5: It's kind of the Bible. Um, you know, they the Ball jar is ubiquitous when it comes to to canning, um, and they have written and rewritten the book over the years and and through the decades. And it's an excellent resource for for canning.
1: Mm-hmm. And he also asks, uh, does anyone like to make sweet corn flour? Ooh. Mm, you never heard I've done that. that. that oh, Dave, you stumped us! Oh, goodness, <laughs> no. I'm
2: googling a recipe for that right now, Dave. All right, you we'll get back to you. All right, we'll, we'll
1: be back uh, with that. But first, we're going to go to the phones. Kathy's on the phone. Kathy, hi there. Hey,
7: um, I just wanted to share uh, the greatest way to cook sweet corn easily that my husband stumbled on a couple of years ago, and you just take the corn in the husk. Um, you don't have to. You don't have to husk it. You don't have to pull the tassel out. You don't have to do anything. Put it in a cold oven and turn the oven to 350 and let it heat up with the corn in the oven. And, you know, once it heats up, let it cook for another 15 minutes and then just take it out. And it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, kind, kind of, of roasted. You know, um, you know how roasted vegetables are so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, you roast the corn and it really, uh, it really concentrates the sugars. Wow. And it's fabulous. And somehow the the strings, um, sort of I don't know, it's like they almost dissolve or something, but they they it, it's really easy to peel at that point and it's it's fabulous. It's the best way to do do oh. it. And after you know, after decades of boiling or steaming or grilling or trying to figure out not that any of those aren't wonderful, but the roasting thing is just just the way to go
1: okay let, let me make sure warm. this sounds very easy let me make sure so you just put it in the cold oven yes you turn on the heat to 350 you wait yes. wait until it's heated up and then you leave it in for 15 more minutes
7: yep
0: wow yes.
1: yeah i think i can do that
7: that sounds great it be any easier but it's
1: just fabulous all right well thank all you right. for that thanks for okay, calling kathy enjoy.
2: Okay. Bye. You know, the most appealing part of that that what Kathy was just talking about is that the the little hairs just sort of dissolve. I can't buy sweet corn because I can't handle the hairs. I can't handle shucking corn. I just can't. So that sounds like a recipe for me.
1: Wow, that's yeah. I didn't I know that it. about you, Amy. Oh, I hate Jeez. it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. We could have one more phone call, right? Eight five five zero eight one one. If you want to chat with us about what you're cooking right now, as Bob said, if you're eating lunch, let us know what you're eating for lunch. Right. Why not?
1: Marcia? I wanted to ask you about the market because it's just grown into such a uh, community treasure over the years. Um, you know, how, for those who haven't been, how would you compare it like now to what, what it maybe was a decade ago?
3: wow yeah it has it's grown a lot the The variety of food available at the market has really changed um, I would say that's been i'm pretty sure it's been within the last decade when we've expanded to allow meat and dairy products um and then the prepared food vending area is another you know, big area of the market now. And one of the things I love about the prepared food vending area is that most of the vendors there are using local products in their food. So it's really carrying mm-hmm. forward the mission of the market. But um, yeah, numbers of customers, and really, I've noticed a change in. Like The attitudes of customers, I think, just the level of appreciation for the farmers, the desire to really focus on eating local food. I mean, it used to be like, oh, great, you know, I'll, I'll get something at market. But now it's like, let me see what all I can get at market to make my menus for the whole week, you know. So it's really uh, – it's really – an fun and an honor to get to work with the market. Mm
1: -hmm. And you have a lot of entertainment there, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, We have music every week and um, lots of special events. It's been real fun doing things like the tomato tasting and salsa contest and people should come down in November. We've expanded the season too. We go through the end of November now and uh, we have a soup tasting every year and that's a great time to get some recipes. In like 30 seconds or less, Lori, can you give us a sneak peek at what the foodie community
2: is like in Terre Haute?
5: Um, it, growing, burgeoning, and soon to have a cooperative market, you know, those in Bloomington and, uh, have enjoyed having a cooperative market for a number of years. And we're, um, we've are we just passed a 600-member threshold that gives us the confidence and the numbers to seek the financing and, and go forward with the um, development of our own co-op market in Terre Haute. We hope to uh, be part of a burgeoning um, downtown renaissance and bring uh, local foods into the downtown area to augment what's already going on with a really nice farmer's market there.
2: Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's
1: great. All right. We are out of time. I want to thank uh, our guests today. It's been great. We, I, I know I'm hungry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Marsha Veldman from Bloomington Farmer's Market, Stephanie Solomon from Mother Hubbard's Cupboard, Lori Heber from Terra Foods, and, of course, Annie Corrigan from Earth Eats. It's Thanks, been Annie. fun, Bob. It's always fun. Love Thank it. you. All right. And I want to thank uh, our producers, Gretchen Frazee and Emily Wright, and Engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.